Welcome back to another episode of the Balance of Sam podcast. I am so, so happy you're here. My name is Sam, if you don't know that already, and I'm going to be giving you mindset shifts to lose weight so you can become the most confident and unstoppable version of yourself in work and life. Seriously, I'm just going to be giving you doses of realness and reminders of how badass you already are. And so I'm really excited that you're spending time here and I appreciate you and love you so much. Now let's dive into the episode. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Balance with Sam podcast. On today's episode, I'm so excited. I can't even control myself. I have one of the most amazing humans and light workers I have seriously ever met. She is like one of the best humans that has ever lived and crossed the land. <laughs> she, she owns Home Therapy Coaching, which is a soulful leadership program. And she coaches female entrepreneurs in the healing and the wellness space. She is a trauma-informed specialist. She, is, she has a, an amazing background background in neuropsychology. And she is just absolutely out of this world, an amazing soul-filled light worker. And I am so blessed to be introducing the amazing Gabby Ortega. Hi, Gabby. Hi, Gabby. Hi. I literally need you to just come with me everywhere I go. And like, if that, like make that introduction, that is like the nicest, kindest introduction I've ever had. Thank you. I love you. You're like the best. I'm so glad we know each other. I know. I love you too. And I'm so excited to have you on and share you with my people because they are just going to absolutely eat you up. I know it. Um, you I'm have so excited. You just have such an amazing energy and so much knowledge, like practical application to the energy as well. Um, and that's really why I wanted to have you on. And because like you've become one of my best friends so quickly, just being in... Um, Gabby and I are in a mastermind together. And so that's how we met. And now she's she's just killing it in the online space. And <laughs> she's getting her clients absolutely massive results. And so I wanted to have her on to share her philosophies and all of her goodies so that her secrets are no longer secrets. Hey. <laughs> Revealed! <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like, honestly, um, ever since I stepped into full alignment with myself, and I think you probably have experienced this too, and done your own inner shadow work and your healing and like really kind of cracked open into who you really are. The best, most amazing aligned souls have walked right into my life and you're one of them. And I am just like always every day so grateful to like see your messages and like to like see your Instagram. And I'm just really excited to share everything I know with your people and, you know, help in any way I possibly can. And yeah, I'm here, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> I always love to start with story. And I think if you want to just kind of share a little bit about how you got into what you're doing and what led you to the place you're at now, just to give the audience a little bit of background on you. Yeah. So like, how long do we have? 
<laughs> four hours later. Right. I'm like, let me like tell you everything. So I'll make it as short and concise as possible. Um, I grew up dealing with trauma. I was like bullied really severely, like for many, many, many years. I had uh, family members who had mental illness and just along the way of sexual assault and college and different things that I eventually developed complex PTSD and full-blown PTSD, major PTSD, as well as chronic anxiety and depression. And I was really coping in very unhealthy ways. I was binge eating. I was drinking a lot of alcohol, hooking up with people that like gave me a sense of validation, but like in the end made me feel really bad about myself. And I think a lot of these, like, you know, now that I know that I've gone through school as a therapist, like are very, very normal responses to trauma and like trying to manage um, an overactive nervous system, trying to manage, you know, different kinds of things that happen after trauma and also dealing with the complex trauma, which is tied into our like subconscious beliefs and the things that we experience in childhood specifically that help to shape our identity and the way we see the world. So in my mid twenties, I was really, really lost. I graduated college. I actually graduated with a BA in acting. Um, and I, I don't know why. <laughs> what? I was a child like theater actor in New York and I had really planned on just like becoming an LA actor, you know, yeah. movie star or whatever. Not really understanding that that wasn't anything I even wanted. So I went through four years and a ton of student debt to get a degree in acting and then completely had like a mid-20s crisis where I graduated. And for the first time in my life, I was like, oh my God, I have no idea who I am. I hate my life. I hate myself. I've done so many things that I have guised as sexual liberation and feminism. But really what it was, was acting out trauma and like doing things that were not good for me where I was like, oh, I'm asserting my independence. I gained 80 pounds after I was raped in college. And it was an automatic trauma response to like, don't be seen, you know, be invisible, yeah. which I learned later on in my recovery. And that was like also something that really contributed to the sense of like, wow, I'm super worthless. I have no direction. I don't know where I'm going. So in my mid twenties, and this was not unfamiliar, I had like an episode where I was really depressed and suicidal. I never did anything, but I had a lot of thoughts and I was like, it would just be easier if I didn't wake up tomorrow. I don't know if you ever like been in that dark place, but it is all consuming. Yeah. So I think being a human being is really, really hard. And I think all of us at some point or another are going to go through some kind of a awakening moment like this, where we are really at our rock bottom. At this point, I was a full-blown alcoholic, which I am just starting to open up about now, now that I've been in recovery for almost a year and a half. I was really coping in just the worst kinds of ways. And I decided like I had two routes. I could either end my life because this sucks and I had no direction and I felt totally lost or I can figure it out and be like, okay, like this hasn't always been my story. I was like a really accomplished young person. Like things have happened along the way that really knocked me off course. And I think it's time that I sit down and organize my experience so that I can figure out what the fuck happened. Yeah. And, like, and be happy because the thing that hurts the most is seeing everyone around you and you feel like you're in this weird alternate dimension where everyone is just passing you by and they're getting married and they're having these great relationships and they're having kids and their careers are great and they're so happy and they're going on vacation and drinking mimosas and it's like yeah. why am I like that? Yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Well, I mean as a therapist I know none of that's really true that they're all dealing with their own shit and that none of us are actually truly happy very few of us are. I think we are now because we've done all this like really deep work but <laughs> it takes work to get 
fair. Oh you know my what God, I mean? Yeah. yeah. So at this point, like I was in my mid twenties and that's when I really started focusing on healing and wellness. I was a party girl. I was again, an alcoholic. I drank every single day. I worked at a restaurant. So this was very much encouraged. Um, it was like, that was part of the restaurant vibe was like, Oh, we have a something, something, try it, try it. And then let's go out after and take shots. And like, it was just, I'm like, okay, I'm 26. This is not cute anymore. Like this <laughs> is a problem. And like, I am not dealing with what I need to deal with. I had been in and out of therapy and kind of like my mom's a psychologist. I'm a big believer in therapy as a great way to open self-awareness and really heal some things that need to be healed. But there's a lot of problems I have with it. And I personally never found the deep, deep healing that I was looking for. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to go to school <laughs> and I'm going to learn what all these motherfuckers are learning. And I'm going to apply it to myself because I know how to heal myself best, but I just don't have the tools. Yes. So I applied for a master's program. I got in, I cried. I was like, what? It was like the first time I'd ever felt worthy, like in such a long time. I was like, okay, this is it. Like, this yes. is it. And so I was super pumped. I get into my master's program and I looked around me and every single healer or person who was there to learn to be a therapist came from trauma, came from their own really dark experiences. And that's when I started to realize that healers are people who have gone through their own deep, deep, deep shit. And that was really cool. So I went through that program. I worked in a clinical facility, mainly with people who, um, my specialization was in um, child development and trauma. So I double specialized. I went to work clinically and I just hated it. I hated the traditional mental health field. <laughs> There's a lot broken. I have a lot of podcast things where I spent a lot of time, like interviews where I've talked about this before. So I won't take up time with that. But I just found a lot of unethical practices, a ton of politics, like a ton of things that, you know, interns are abused basically emotionally and they are not paid. And these are people with master's degrees who are not getting paid to work 80 hours a week with very, very high risk populations. And so the clients aren't being supported because the therapists are burnt out. They're angry. They're basically driving for Uber and Postmates on, on at, like, at night, on the weekends. They're working second, third jobs. And these are the people who are working with people who want to kill themselves or who are psychotic or bipolar. And it's really unfortunate that the system is built in a way that profits only really insurance companies and um, doctors who are at that level with a doctorate um, and can actually charge. But you know, it's like with psychiatrists, they see you for 30 minutes, they prescribe you something, they don't know your history, they don't know your trauma, they don't know your background, um, but they go here and then they get paid $500. No. So we have a lot. No, it's like we have, there's so much wrong with it and they wanted me to diagnose people in the first session. So we're told we don't get paid unless we diagnose you. So insurance companies will not cover your session if I don't diagnose you with something which could affect your potential future. It's on your permanent record. It's considered a health issue. So if you apply for certain jobs and you have depression in your background or clinic or anxiety, they will not hire you. They'll say, no, we can't have you have a mental disorder. And really it was like, oh my fucking God, this is not a disorder. There's just a lot of stuff happening that like is totally fixable. Yeah. And this is in terms of talking about people with anxiety and depression and trauma and things like that. I'm not talking about schizophrenia or cognitive um, disorders or things like that, neurological issues, but mood disorders, mood related things, and also personality disorders, borderline and bipolar. They're all because of trauma and the way that the brain is affected. And that's, and trauma is a very new thing. We just started really diving into it in the 70s. And then now we only now we have the brain technology to be able to scan the brain and see how trauma and long term trauma affects and there's pieces missing. And there's like holes in the brain. And there's like really dysregulation happening in the nervous system. And we're realizing that like, even though we consciously go, Oh, that wasn't traumatic for me, our brain is very, very sensitive. And so is our nervous system. And so every human being has experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. And all of us have been programming around that. And so I opened my practice long story short, started coaching because I was like, I'm just going to do this on my own. I start, I worked on myself. I found 
such tremendous healing in using a holistic approach. I approached it with therapy in mind, but also in trauma-informed work in mind, but also from the body and from the spiritual aspect. And as I worked on myself, I completely transformed my life. I can't even tell you, like the last time I felt depressed, I have such purpose. I feel so aligned. And so I opened this practice. I started helping other people kind of doing the things I was doing for myself. And I saw people completely transform. People who had been in therapy for 18 years, another person for 20 years dealing with serious sexual childhood, sexual trauma and abuse. And that's just like one example. There's lots of other people who had very serious issues. But like for me, that's, a, I mean, that was probably the worst that I've like helped people work through just because, you know, it's just so insidious. And these women, after doing like deep hypnosis work, subconscious reprogramming, somatic healing in their nervous system, processing cognitively their experience and creating a narrative and doing all these different things, they were able to break free in a way that like they were, they were like crying. They're like, I've never said no to somebody before. I've never used my voice before. And they're like, and now I can't stop. And I'm like, yeah. I still get messages from them saying like, hey, I just want to let you know today, like I did this and I told my husband I wasn't going to do that. And like, I just never would have done this without you. And like my therapist couldn't get me there. And um, so there's stuff that we're, I, I'm seeing that, especially as it relates to trauma, you can go to the to traditional therapy and cognitively understand what's happened to you, but trauma lives in the brain and the body. So I help people really work through that. And during COVID, everything flipped on its head. And I saw all of my colleagues losing their practices and I saw them losing business and healers were like, what do I do? And I was like, okay, I brought all of this online. I've managed to create a high six-figure business from just coaching and coaching in the mental health area or field. And um, we can do this. Like therapists, friends of mine, I'm like, why are you suffering in your internship? Come and like live in your gifts. Like, you know, you want to do more than just talk to people. You know, you have an holistic approach you want to do. Let's do it. So I created the OWN Leadership Academy and I just had the first round of a mastermind with a bunch of therapists moving into coaching and it was fucking magical. They're all women. And they were like, just they left their nine to five jobs that are like abusive and like exploitative. They're commanding amazing salaries for themselves. They're helping tons of people. And so now the evolution of my business is basically become helping light leaders really step into and own their power, heal themselves and then create a conscious business that's going to help uplift the planet. And my mission is to heal the planet by creating an entirely new way of being based off of healing and businesses around healing um, versus businesses that are there to tear you down. Yes. Oh, Gabby. Ah, I love you. This is so beautiful. And (laughs) I want to work backwards from kind of all the points that you touched upon. But I think being able to say that you and I and a lot of other people in our circle have businesses that are supporting like wellness and healing rather than taking at the expense of someone's health, like, you know, like promoting healing rather than weight loss, right? Yes. Um, Promoting, um, stepping into that new reality rather than like suffering in a shitty nine to five. It's like, how can we start to up level and raise our collective vibration really just by having these types of conversations. It's like these little micro moments allow expansion and then it's like, and continue, 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 continue. And I'm sure you experience that with all of your one-on-one clients and your group mm-hmm. setting. Like it's such a beautiful shift that I've recently made too. in my own business is like, we're healing. Like you're going to lose weight. Sure. But like we're healing. And for you, I'm sure like, can you yeah. relate to that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's really funny because in the diagnostic 
American Statistical Manual, where we get all of our diagnoses, extreme weight loss or weight gain is considered pathological, which I thought was like really interesting. So someone actually comes in, we're supposed to do an assessment based on how you look as being a part of it, which is like, that is also inherently fat phobic and like really interesting that that is, there's so much wrong with the mental health system, but like that's not pathological, but it is evidence sometimes, sometimes depending on the person of distress Mm. or of not wanting to be seen or of past wounds that are being activated and that are being soothed in a way that's harmful because there aren't, there isn't another way to work through it. And that's okay because literally you're alive and you're here. So if that's the way that you've been able to cope with, is with food, then okay. Like it's not perfect, but fuck yeah, you're alive. You're here. It's what you did to help yourself. You're already trying to help yourself. You know, you're already on the road. Even if you are like caught in kind of toxic relationships with food or whatever, like notice the little moments where, okay, that was actually because like I needed to feel better and it did help me. And like, I was doing something for myself, even if it wasn't like the most ideal choice and just like release the guilt and see it as like a mechanism for survival. I love that. That's such a powerful like shift. I think even for me, like as I'm still like, it's never, it never goes away, right? Like all of this healing that we're doing, like you never get there and it's never complete, um, which there's, I know that a lot of my clients sometimes feel they can feel frustration, like moments of, oh, I just want to like be done with this. I just want to heal. Like, I just want to get over it. Oh my God, me too. When you find the answers, let me know. I'm yeah. still looking. Literally. Like the- yeah, yeah, the next <laughs> just the thing. Like, I just need that last thing. And then you're like, oh, I got the thing. And then you're like, the thing wasn't the thing. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's so funny to step back and just start to fully accept that we never truly do get there with anything. I'd be curious to know, like, how do you, and maybe how do you work with your clients too on this shift from focusing on the present and the current space of healing rather than the outcome that they want from the healing? Does that make sense? Maybe. So maybe say it again. <laughs> let me let me reframe it. So say um, say you have a client coming to you and they're looking to let's just use food as an example because that's what most of my audience is needs. Yeah support on. Um, They're struggling with binge eating, right? And they're like, I really just like don't know what's going on. I can't stop. Um, I have this really fucked up relationship with food um, and I just want to fix it. I just want to stop this thing. And there's this sense of urgency to it, right? And they're like, I Mm -hmm. just hate that I'm like doing this. Um, How would you kind of attack something like that where there's this like, I just want to do this thing and get it over with so that I can move on with my life and Mm. shift into that space of like curiosity and compassion, I guess. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's a, that's a really good question. So we all want a quick fix. Like like I love a good quick fix. <laughs> so I do try to um, incorporate some like biohacking in there when I work with my clients. Mm. So for this client, I'd probably send them um, this really beautiful book called Your Subconscious Brain Can Change Your Life by Dr. Mike Dow, D-O-W. Um, he is a neuroscientist and he basically um, has created through his research, his like amazing pioneering research, he's a young guy too, um, his neuro research, a series of hypnoses um, that he's proven through um, testing 
that actually shut off the conscious brain and activate the subconscious mind and help you rewire to uh, eliminate um, trauma responses. And not just trauma responses, but eliminate the memories and the things that trigger your your maybe self-soothing. Mm-hmm. So this, the first thing I would do is probably send in that book and be like, start reading this, learn about the subconscious brain, because it really is the like thing playing underneath and running the programming of your entire thought process in your mind. Um, and then I would probably, and this is what I do with most of my clients. I first, before anything, I really find out about their entire life story. I ask them to just, let's not, let's shelve the food. Let's just observe your behavior. I want you to journal every time that you are driven to eat, you eat, you do whatever you do normally, but I want you to journal and keep track so we can kind of start to notice when the triggers are happening. Is it at night? Is it in the morning? Is it around certain people? Is it after certain conversations? Is it when your boundaries are violated? Like what is happening that the food is filling a void for you or soothing you because it's a coping mechanism, right? But it's also a self-harming coping mechanism. So we want to move away from the self-harming and more towards the self-healing coping mechanisms. So, so yeah, so I would, I would first, we start by observing the triggers, you know, you read the book. Um, and then I also get what I call a biopsychosocial intake, which is something that comes from the therapeutic world. And so I understand what was your childhood like? We go through the whole childhood experience. Um, and usually in that childhood experience, there is the beginning of the food issue. Mm. And either it's a parent that body shamed you or uh, made you go on diets really young, or being bullied at school because you're overweight, or um, because you had trauma. And a lot of times children who are abused sexually or physically manifest their anxiety through restriction of food. And Mm -hmm. so you'll see very, very skinny kids. Um, Food is used also as a method of feeling a sense of control over your environment. And as a child, you're really not in control of anything, but you can control what you're putting in your body or not. And that becomes a way to feel like you have some semblance of control in a chaotic house where maybe parents are fighting a lot or um, there's some abuse happening or or something like that, um, discord or discomfort. And so when I really dive into people's childhood experiences and adolescence experiences, not just in the family of origin, but as well, early relationships, romantic, as well as platonic and social, um, childhood uh, school experiences. Like, what was that like? Because you're there for half your life. I mean, you're not really, a, you're really in school for like eight hours a day, 10 hours a day. So that's where you are. Yeah. If you were like me, and every single time you walk into school, someone's spitting on you and calling you a spick and, you know, degradate, degradating you and making you feel like horrible, um, that causes major trauma. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Of course, like at the end of the day, the only thing that made me feel good was like having five tacos at lunch because like that was what I had to look forward to. And that was the only thing that gave me that dopamine hit that could get me through the rest of the day without fucking dying. You know what I mean? So if you understand what the root is, because the eating stuff is probably tied into relationship stuff and attachment stuff and, and this and that and not showing up for your business and not wanting to be seen. These are all like branches on a tree that has a root, a single root. And we got to find the root and fix it and then everything else will fix itself. Mm. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And I love like how you've described that, that visual I think is super helpful for me too to see, but also just for everyone listening, like being able to know that there is a root and you like that you are not broken. Like just because you have this pattern or you have this habit or you have this, whatever that's going on, it doesn't, that's not who you are. It's a, um, a way that your body has tried to keep you safe. And I love that you kind of talked about the fact that like 
yo, this has been fucking amazing, actually. At least you found food and you you actually learned how to cope and you made exactly. yourself better. <laughs> yeah, like that is a way for, that's literally if you want to, like your body is always trying to heal itself. We are never moving towards self-destruction. We are always moving towards self-healing. That's why when you get a cut on your arm or whatever, it heals itself, even if you don't put Neosporin on it. This is another example. Your unconscious mind is like, we're not going to die so we are feeling horrible feelings in here that make us feel we're going to annihilate ourselves. And so we need to get that out. And how are we going to do that? Well, what's the easiest thing to do? Food. Ha, huh, okay. And that is, if that has been your automatic unconscious coping mechanism, awesome. Fucking awesome. Sometimes people do other things. They cut themselves. Um, you know, they, they hurt themselves in other ways. They self-sabotage, they blow up relationships, they start fights with people. You know, I mean, again, it has to come out somehow this kind of emotional distress, but the way when it's released, that's when you find relief. So if you can look at it like, Hey, I was like, without even realizing it, actually trying to heal myself, just didn't know what I was doing. I think we can look at it with a lot more compassion and say, okay, like we are doing the best with the tools that we have at the time that we have them. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about like the definition. You talked about it in your intro, but the definition of trauma and how it, I know for me, like my own interpretation of trauma, when I first heard the word, it was like, oh, it has to be this like big thing, right? Like, oh, I got hit by a car and it was like, I was lying on the side of the road and like this whole thing. And in my own healing journey, I've realized that it's not that. Um, There's so many ways to talk about it. And I would love to just hear from your perspective and your your knowledge, like the actual definition of trauma and what is considered trauma for people? Yeah. So a couple of things. So trauma, I want to say first and foremost, is anything that you consider to be traumatic. Um, You know, it's from the perspective of the person. And so you and I could have a similar experience, but it would affect us different ways. And what might be traumatic for me, and I was like, wow, that was really traumatic for me to experience. For you might be like, yeah, that sucks, but like, I'm okay. Hmm. Um, Usually trauma is marked by repeated patterns of self-sabotage or self-harm or like repeated bad, you know, relationships or like just patterns, negative patterns that you see kind of reenacting themselves that are hurting you or self-sabotaging you in some way that don't come from a place of love, but from a place of like unhealed pain and also fear. Um, to keep you small so that you don't get hurt again. Mm-hmm. So with trauma, like there's, I think historically, because we ha- we haven't had the technology to really, or, and honestly, the, the, no one's really funded studies for trauma because no one really cares about helping trauma victims because it doesn't make any money for people, you know, because trauma is not something you can throw a pill at. Um, it's very, very complex. So there hasn't been money really given to until recently, um, plus the technology to understand that how the nervous system and the vagus nerve, which wraps around your gut and is the central highway connecting your gut, your heart, and your brain, um, you know, that runs your nervous system, how that is super sensitive and also how the brain is super sensitive physically that, you know, experiencing things that are considered trauma over, you know, like snowballs. And like, after a while, you actually see people who've experienced like lots of childhood trauma have like gaps in their brain. Like they have holes 
areas that are f- fucking missing because they oh had parents God. that were neglectful. Not that they had parents that even like hit them, you know, but actually the, the, the trauma was in the complete ab- emotional absence of the parent not even being there for them. So they developed no social skills. They developed tons of attachment anxiety. And so, you know, they maybe act that out by eating to kind of fill the void of all those feelings. So you have major trauma. That's what we all are very, very familiar with. <clears throat> that is um, sexual assault, physical assault, like battery, you know, domestic violence, be living through a war or going to war and fighting in a war, like the like veterans, um, you know, something like that, major, major trauma. What we're understanding now through technology and through research is that the same effects of people who go there, like people who go through what we call complex trauma, which is smaller, more insidious um, moments that happen to us early on during the really um, tender moments where our brain is developing and our sense of identity is developing, that they have statistically the same outcomes as the people who have one major traumatic experience. So you have very similar behavior, very similar patterns, very similar, clinically similar aversions to tra- like spaces that trigger you or feeling the triggers and emotional dysregulation and you know all these different things. And that these people are like, wait, I was never like really hurt. My childhood was okay. I had a roof over my head. Like they, you know, I, I, you know, for all intents and purposes was like, everything was fine. But you realize like dad was an alcoholic and he would get into rages every time, you you know, you didn't know what you were walking into when you came home and um, he still managed to work and, and put food on the table. But it was like the volatility of walking into that was like, made you basically have a dysregulated nervous system and a brain that was like unsafe, 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 unsafe. Um, and so like that, or like, having caregivers who like you turn to for kind of a bid for attention, like, Hey, I, I just did this in school. What do you think? And you're like waiting for them to kind of be like, that's amazing. I love you. Validation, validation, which is so important in constructing a very healthy ego and sense of self. If they go, Oh, that looks shitty. Mm. Or they go, Oh, I don't have time for this. I'm too busy. And that's like, you get rejected a lot that causes trauma. Mm. So like, even little, it's like little experiences where, where, you know, when you're really in that tender formation stage that your brain is like, well, bam, that was painful. Okay. We're never going to do that again. So let me burn this into my brain. It's like, this is what happens when you go and ask somebody for validation Mm. and for the rest of your life, you're never going to rely on anybody. You're never going to trust anybody. And you're going to be maybe hardened to making real intimate relationships because you feel like no one's ever going to be there for you. Um, and then what do you do? You make food your best friend because guess who's never not there? Food. So you see what I'm saying? Like all this stuff, like the food stuff is all linked to something else. So like, look at it as a coping mechanism for dealing with something that's happened that you have to, with genuine openness and curiosity and tremendous self-compassion, open up and take a look at for yourself. And if you don't want to do it alone, like get a coach, get a trauma-informed coach or therapist and, and have them unpack this for you because you may not even be able to see what it is. You may have normalized so much of your experience that um, for you, it's like, no, I don't, I really don't get it. And then you're sitting across like this happened to me so many times. I go through people's childhood stories and then I'm like, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, and it was like no big deal. And I'm like, Ah! <laughs> like, I want to scream and I'm just like okay first of all let's like wind that all back and like trauma 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 that makes sense why you're feeling this way right now that's might make sense why you're struggling with this right now like do you see that and they're like and then they just break down because they're like for the first time the feelings that they knew 
were mm-hmm. true within them about something not being right or something feeling really bad or like bad things happening to them and not being validated by the parents or by people around them saying that you're fine. You shouldn't be sad. You're fine. You shouldn't be sad. But someone's saying, Hey, that fucking sucks. I see you. It's like, <sighs> you know, you can finally talk about it. Yes. Oh my God. And well, thank you for, for sharing all of that. Um, I think when I like started with my own coach, it was that same feeling of, whoa, this isn't normal. Like, and, and totally just like, (laughs) it's so crazy how the brain will try to keep you safe and protect you. And I can say for the first like 28 years of my life, it did that. It like just made me be like, yep, this is normal. This is just how my life is. Like, yeah, my childhood was great. And like, yeah, sure. It could have been worse too, but like also there was shit there. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's funny how like we, we do all these mind games to not talk about it or like not go there. Cause we're like, nah, we're good. It's not really that big of a deal. You know, I mean, like literally look at what happened in the last mastermind, like <laughs> call that we had where I'm like crying because of my childhood trauma that I literally as a professional have spent years trying to heal. And I'm like, Oh fuck. It's still there. Yeah. Literally same dude. Like we were on the phone like <laughs> what, three weeks ago and you're like, yeah, uh, that's not okay. Like you have unresolved shit. And I'm like, Oh fuck. <laughs> like just look at it because honestly it's so much more painful to have it keep sabotaging your life and to keep trying to do these quick fixes because I did them for a long time too like I can say it like no girl you need to process the fact that you were raped like let's talk about that and it's like ah but like you know and it doesn't have to be that intense but like if you sometimes people already know where it started you know and so it's like open that up and if you don't know get with somebody who can help you figure out what, get some insight around it because there is no quick fix. Um, You can have band-aid solutions that will continue to rip off and disappoint you and make you feel like you're a failure um, for the rest of your life. And that's cool. You can continue to do that, um, but it's going to be a lot harder. So Mm -hmm. I recommend taking the plunge, recognizing that you are strong enough. You have survived a hundred percent of your hardest days to this day. And you can face whatever is on the other side of this. And that it's way more painful to continue to have a life where you feel like, you know, you're out of control or like things are not working for you. Um, And to experience all the pain that happens from years and years of doing that versus like rip that shit open and like, let's get a surgeon in there and fucking stitch it up. So we have, don't have to use band-aids anymore and you can live your life and go do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yes. Yeah. It's like, choose your heart, right? Like it's going to be hard either way and mm-hmm. even have it be like really hard for a short amount of time. And then you can heal or you can live in a perpetual state of frustration and anxiety and fear and fuck this and sabotage, which I did, uh, like, <laughs> right. Like, and we do that until we don't, until we break, until it can't, it's not okay anymore until your self-sabotaging pattern just is not helping you anymore. And, and it's, yeah. And then you can see it, you can see it happening. Like I remember towards the end of when I decided to really start my healing journey when I was really my lowest I was like I could watch myself doing behavior and doing things that in my head I was like don't do this don't do this don't do this you know you know better and it was like it was still happening for me and then as soon as I dove into really healing childhood wounds specifically around what you know a label would be trauma but really just like very emotionally distressing upsetting situations and kind of allowing myself to really let that air out (laughs) get out of my own head and like have someone validate that experience was everything and then it was no longer mine and and i i stopped hearing that critical voice 
I stopped hearing that voice that told me I was a piece of shit. I stopped hearing that voice that told me I should die um, or I should eat or I'm a fat fuck or whatever I'm telling myself and those horrible things. That voice left. And the only thing that was left was the voice of my highest self, which is like, you are so loved. You're doing the best that you can. And this happened to you. And it's okay to not be perfect while you're healing from it. Mm. You know, and like that, when there is compassion, self-compassion, there is no room for shame. Mm. I love that. That's, that's so beautiful. How do you, um, or like, what have you done or how do you work with your clients on helping them to disassociate from that voice and knowing that it's not theirs? Yeah. Ooh. So this is kind of a fun one. You can do this at home. So first of all, your inner critic doesn't belong to you. Any voice that comes from a critical, judgmental, uh, patronizing place, anything that's meant to hurt you is not yours. I want you to first of all, recognize that that voice that pops into your head is an automatic thought that comes from your brain processing a trauma response to a stimulus happening in front of you. What does that mean? Woo! Right. So basically, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you get triggered by something and it brings up within you like the things, these, these thoughts that are like, okay, um, like for me, um, so I got bullied a lot, right? So I got really tortured by other people. So I have a lot of social anxiety. So the thoughts that pop up around new people, not now, but what used to be was like, you're a piece of shit. No one's going to like you. No one thinks you're interesting. Don't make friends. Don't like put yourself out there. And so the behavior was I shrink. Mm. And I don't talk to people. And I let that voice dictate my behavior because I'm like, that's my voice. That's my voice telling me. It's not. It's because I was bullied and my my unconsciousness, like that was so painful, that rejection, that being ostracized, like all of that experience was so painful. We're going to avoid that. So the way we're going to avoid that is pop these thoughts into your head that keep you from engaging with other people. Mm. So you never put yourself in the position of getting hurt again. Mm. Does that serve you? In the immediate moment, yeah. Does it serve you long run? No, we need relationships with people. Like, yeah. we can be alone the rest of our lives. We can live in a fucking bubble. Not um, so, closet. <laughs> yeah, so these, the thoughts that pop into your head that are critical are usually there, ironically, to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. They're there because they come from some experience where your unconscious mind is like, we can never experience this again. So we are going to come up with random ass thoughts. Now that you're in the situation and it's being triggered, we're going to come up with thoughts to keep you safe. And those thoughts are the harshest thoughts you can think of because it's trying its darndest to keep you from doing something that's going to hurt yourself. Mm. So um, it's kind of backwards logic, but it's it's part of the reptilian brain. So it's out of your control. Um, which is the part that's like the caveman brain, the primal brain. So, um, so these thoughts don't come from your conscious mind. They are not conscious thoughts. They are not the thought that you're standing there. It's like the thought of like, okay, the experience of I'm standing in my kitchen and I'm like, what am I going to have for lunch today? And then I'm like, maybe I'll make a salad or maybe I'll do those are conscious thoughts, right? Unconscious kind of thoughts are those intrusive thoughts. Those they come out of nowhere. They fucking punch you in the face. They're super negative. Um, those thoughts don't belong to you. So at home, what I want you to do is I want you to create a monster, and I want you on a piece of paper to take out your coloring pencils and your markers, and I want you to draw whatever this voice looks like, mm-hmm. and I want you to start to, and I want you to give it a name. This can be an animal, it can be a made-up creature, it can be a person, it can be a blob, it can be a fuzzy ball, it can be whatever you want it to be. But I want you to draw this voice out and what this thing looks like and give it a name and have it somewhere where you can see it and remind yourself that this doesn't belong to you. This is this voice. So um, 
I had my my client one time. We were trying to figure out a name for hers, and she like she decided to call hers Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so whenever Karen comes out, it's a trauma response voice, and she tells Karen to shut the fuck up. <laughs> And that's the practice. I'm like, I want you to tell Karen to shut her fucking mouth. Every time she comes to your head this week, tell her to shut the fuck up. You got this. Mm -hmm. I tell her, I hear you. I see you. I know you're scared. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then and push through it and keep going and do the uncomfortable thing. Cause then you're rewiring the brain to have a different reality. Mm. And it's in that moment of shifting your response and doing something different and talking yourself a different way and identifying that voice as Karen. Oh, there's Karen. <laughs> you know, fuck off, Karen. <laughs> it allows you to kind of separate yourself from it. We want to externalize it away from you because the conscious soul voice lives in love. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and that's the true, that's your true voice. And that's what we want to be listening to. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think the, um, the distinction that you made that is so important is often I hear, and even with some of my clients, we do like some ego work and like naming and whatever. And either one of two options happens, they get really mad at it or they have a lot of compassion for it. And they're like, Mm -hmm. they understand like the inner child, like part of it. And I think the way that you framed it is like, externalize it, tell it to shut the fuck up and say, I see you, I hear you. And I'm going to be doing the hard thing anyways. And so it's like putting it in its place and showing it love. Like you can do both of those things. And in fact, that's probably the most effective way to overcome the like urge to do whatever the bad behavior would be or the not highest self behavior is like, shut the fuck up. And I love you. (laughs) Like, I love you, but you're so fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's okay. <laughs> yes. And that's really helpful for me, too, because sometimes, like, I get into the trap of, like, I either have to tell it to shut up or I have to be like, no, you're good. It's okay. And it's like, it actually gets to be an and conversation, not yeah. an or. And that that's super helpful for me to actually understand it. So I'm all about, like, the and. Like, let yeah. these kind of conflicting emotions, let these conflicting realities, let them exist. We as human beings hate that. Our brains need to put things in categories. Like we need to transcend our primal brain and allow there to be this gray, like for there to be this and of both, you know, and have both. For sure. I love that. Um, And I would love to touch upon um, the concept of like grounding practices or like Mm -hmm. things to release, um, either pent up emotions and just kind of get that relief. I know that I've been doing a lot of work, like just understanding what my preferred grounding practices are and how to feel better really. Um, when you're in those moments of like the ickiness or the stuckness or the frustration or like depression, like any of these like meh feelings, um, what are your go-to tools Ooh, so I always, 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 first and foremost, self-care. Like I have learned as someone who's gone through trauma that if my day doesn't start with that every single day, I feel a lot more susceptible to being influenced by outside energies, outside experiences, things like that. So I always, first and foremost, touch upon my true voice first thing in the morning, journaling, checking in with myself and seeing if there's anything I need. 
like you check in with like a hotel guest, you're like, how are you doing today? Like, is there anything I can bring for you? Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes it's a cup of coffee. And this morning it was a stand-up comedy special that I was like, I just really want to laugh, you know, like it was 7.30 in the morning and I'm like, all right, you know, I'll just watch the comedy special for an hour. Um, you know, but really creating a self-care practice, first of all, that'll, that'll carry you through the ups and downs of moods. Mm-hmm. Um, and also will help you stabilize your mood, to be quite honest with you. If you're doing gratitude, that's a really easy one. Even if you're in a blah mood to help you get elevated, five items of gratitude. Like, even if it's like, I am just grateful that I can breathe. <laughs> you know, I'm grateful for my like pinky. Like, it's so cute. You know, like whatever, like little thing that you can think of, like, I'm grateful for the colors, like green or whatever. Um, but, but really shifting that mindset is important. Um, and it depends. So like, if you are, let's say in a, in a high, like a more aroused state, not like sexually, but meaning like energetically, you're just hyper, you have a lot of like, like anxious energy. Um, so this is not the time to meditate, like sit down and like try to meditate. This is not the time to journal. If you're feeling it in your body, get outside, move the body. Emotions are energy in motion in the body. So we actually need to somatically release. Um, so I, if you're feeling activated, um, I would highly recommend getting out in nature. Um, and also again, try a bunch of things and figure out what works for you. So I'm just going to throw a bunch out there, go get in nature, go for a walk, get off social media, stop, you know, scrolling, get off the news, um, jump in the shower, take 20 minutes with like really good smelling soap and hot water and steam and put on music and just like chill. Um, I love dancing. I have, by the way, if you guys follow me on Instagram, you can go to Lincoln bios. We have the own Spotify playlist. It grows every day. Um, and we have lots of playlists for like somatic release, which is meaning like somatic release is like, Let's just like and get it. Yes. This is my favorite. No. I, lo- I like shake. I love shaking. Stupid dancing. Jumping up and down. Stupid yeah. dancing. Like I close the door in here and I just like let her rip. And then I put on like my favorite music. And that is literally the fastest way to get out of your head and into your body and like out of a bad mood, I think. Um, so all of those things are really helpful. I think processes that are intellectualized, um, meaning things that we do in our minds, like let's process, like let's journal, like let's, you know, do the things we're thinking about it. It's, it's great in terms of like, let's build awareness and insight, but that's not going to solve your problems if you are feeling intense emotions. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. if you're feeling like triggered and you want to eat, go outside for a 15 minute walk. Don't treat it like exercise. Just, I'm going to get outside and get some fresh air and feel the sun on my face and like be alive for a minute. You know what I mean? And then if I still at the end of that, feel like I really need something to eat, then maybe I'll have it, you know? And it's like, okay, but you know, try something different first. And I dancing, body shaking, going for a walk or run, exercising, playing with your dog or your cat, going for hanging out with your spouse, having sex, <laughs> you know, solo or with a partner or whatever poly partners, if you're more than one person, um, you know, whatever it is, like, like through the body, like release it through the body, you know, and like reconnect with the fact that you're safe, that you're okay. And that you're in control. Mm-hmm. And ironically, the more out of control you let yourself be in the process of releasing, the more in control you're going to feel in the end. A lot of people don't want to do the dancing or shaking because they're like, I don't know what's going to come out. If you cry, great. That's actually the brain um, hitting the, basically the reset button on you know, your iPhone, you just shut it off and like it mm-hmm. reset. That's basically what crying is. So your brain needs to do that to be able to get calm. So you need to cry. If crying comes up, great. Your body was here before your conscious brain was. We actually, our reptilian brain is way older. So before we have this concept of consciousness of I am me and this is my purpose and I have a soul and all that, we're animals. 
So we need to release it through the body. Mm -hmm. We can't think about it and rationalize it away because we think we're so smart. That's the fucking ego. It's in the body. So your body knows how to heal itself. Just like what, like we talked about when you get a cut and you see it start to heal on its own, it knows what it needs to feel better. So fucking listen to it. Stop trying to like put it into a box or like, you know, intellectualize it, but just get into the body, dance, move, like let it cry, let it scream, let it do whatever it needs to do and just be present with it and you'll feel better. Yeah. Like, like that's it. That's, that's really the solution. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, walking has totally transformed my relationship with food. Like, I think that was the thing that actually helped me stop binge eating. Like it's mm-hmm. come back time, time again, but I've always gone back to go for a fucking walk, Sam, and then you can binge eat. Literally. Like I give myself the permission to do it. But when I get back from my walk, I don't want to. I've never walked. Because you work the energetic, like energy, you've transferred it out. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, my spirituality kicks in too. And I'm like, well, it's being absorbed by the earth and repurposed that anxious energy for something better. (laughs) Like release it. Let mother earth take it from your feet as you walk and like, let it just drain, you know? It's so crazy to me, like how how much we get in our own way by trying to logic emotions and they're like two different fucking languages and I just like it's so it's so funny to me how much of my life and probably most people like just spend me too yeah just just in our own fucking heads and just like I just can't figure it out and it's like well maybe maybe there's nothing to figure out you know it's like does it matter like do you need to figure it out it's like if you really want to know how the best way to heal yourself from like difficult emotions like watch an infant watch a motherfucking infant who has no consciousness yet what do they do they scream they cry they spit they fucking they're messy they like let you know what they're feeling and what they're experiencing and they don't feel mom i really think that this has something to do with the fact that you're not paying attention to me right now they just go <laughs> so, and like that is because the body is is more developed and it knows how to release what it's feeling and that's the same thing i go into the middle of the woods like a maniac sometimes and i just scream <laughs> and i cry and then i like come on i'm like man that was better than any massage i could possibly get <laughs> better than sex <laughs> better than sex that release oh my god like if you can go out into the woods and just scream or scream into a pillow or um but just go all out man like, and, and if that's, I mean, babies are such a great example. Same too, same thing too with like the stretching and the intuitive movement. And like, they know they're so connected to their bodies before they before our minds get in the way. Mm-hmm. So let your body tell you what it means. And instead of shaming it or feeling, letting other people's beliefs around how you should handle things, like dictate what you do, choose to show up as your highest self and to trust your body's wisdom. Mm, yeah, that's such a beautiful message. And I think it's something I'm still continuing to learn if I'm being honest. Like it's it's a in a in a diet culture and a body image focused world, there's so much pressure to look a certain way or like be small or don't speak up or like, you know, just fit into this box. Yeah. Thanks. And um and along with that comes a lot of metrics, like a lot of numbers and a lot of yeah. do and, oh, I got to hit my steps. Oh, I got to track these calories and like all these things. And That's the ego mind. It's crazy, right? Like when we start to, on. to, yeah, when we start to shift into just like feeling in our body, like, oh, what am I actually hungry for? And not like, what does my fitness pal say that I have left in calories and like how much grams of protein do I need? Like it's, 
I don't know if you can speak to that at all, but just like how we, how we get so disconnected from our bodies over the course of, I mean, all this conditioning. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, it's all, it's a hundred percent conditioning. You go to other cultures, they're very, very like indigenous cultures and, and, and people who still live in the, in the woods and the forest, like in the Amazon, like it's all like body based and things like that. It's, puritanical colonial western civilization that fucked it up (laughs) you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and they're all about you know let's bring civilized behavior which is all intellectual behavior driven behavior or whatever like they think but really they don't understand how the brain works so really they're not as in control as they think they are um but I think you know it comes from how our parents um treat us and the way we are taught how to manage our emotions if our parents are like oh you had a bad day let's go to mcdonald's like well obviously that's what you were taught what to do and how to you know handle your difficult emotions if i had a parent who was like i see what you're i see you i hear you tell me what happened validate validate let's go dancing it'd be a different situation you know it'd be Mm -hmm. like let's feel it in our bodies like you know like it would be a different way of growing up so, you know, it's, it's all the conditioning, it's all the body shaming, it's all the media representation, especially for people our age. I think there's um, more representation of different bodies types now, but like even still, it's the messages. It's also in the coded language that's used. Um, and, and the way that things are presented, like you'll be happy when you lose weight, you'll be so, you'll have the best boyfriend, you'll have, and even in TV shows, it's like always the skinny people who have the best relationships and the most money and the most success. And it's like the way that we're literally programmed in our subconscious is it's like almost we're traumatized into believing that this is what we have to be Mm. in order to be lovable and worthy of having everything we want. We have to look a certain way. And so what if we could approach like diet and exercise and fitness from a, this is a way that I release my emotions. This is the way I honor my body temple. And this is the way that um, however I look is, is however I look. And I honor my body the way that I need to. And whatever is my, meant to be for me is for me. And however that looks, it looks, you know, there, someone I love is um, obviously Lizzo. Mm-hmm. She works out and she's vegan. Um, but she literally is like, I don't do this to look good. And she's like, I do this because it makes me feel really good. And I'm not here doing this to lose weight, as you all can tell. Like, I'm not like, I'm not like here dieting, but I'm here because it makes me feel empowered and embodied and like a goddess and strong. And so like, that's what I think we need to be moving more towards, and I think we are, is this integration of like, let's talk about our inner work and then let's see how it relates to our outer world and how can we come from a healed place or a more healing place so that diet culture becomes more about just health and wellness culture and more about, not less about aesthetics and more about the inner workings. Are things working properly? And if they're not working properly because of the, what we're putting into our body machine, are we doing that because we are loving our body or are we doing that because we are in pain and we are coping with something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yeah. It's like the, um, someone's once told me this and it's just always stuck with me. It's like people are in your life because of how they make you feel, not because of how they look. And mm-hmm. when you reverse that, it's like, if you can show up and feel really good in your body, I don't care if you weigh 300 pounds. I don't care if you weigh 120 pounds. It doesn't fucking matter. If you're showing up confidently and you're just like loving your life, I want to be around you. I do. Mm -hmm. I don't give Mm -hmm. a shit what your pant size is. It doesn't affect me, actually. It doesn't affect your ability to share your gift. It doesn't affect your ability to make me laugh or show me a fucking new movie or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like It doesn't affect anything. 
Um, yeah. And, and I think that there's like this like amazing thing too, that we can have space again, the and, right. We can have this kind of body full acceptance culture and there can be room for people like myself who, after I gained 80 pounds after being raped, did my inner healing and was like, okay, now I'm ready to do my physical healing. And now I want to lose this weight that it has really become such for me personally, again, it's all about the personal journey. The weight was a shield. It was something to hide behind. It wasn't something that I felt good about. And I really wanted to go back to looking the way that I looked before because it felt more aligned with my true self, not because of any other reason or because I felt ashamed or anything. Of course, those are feelings that come up, but mainly because I felt like I was ready to be myself again and be seen. And that is so fucking huge. And so, um, you know, it's like, how, like, how can we make space for both where there's people who really want to work on their bodies as a result of the fact that they've done the inner work and they like really are like, I want to honor my body temple in the way that feels right for me. And I want to lose weight. How do we do it? And like, how do we also just love where we are in the process, yeah. like wherever we are, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like being satisfied with where you're at and eager for more. Um, yes. <laughs> that is literally like the mantra I use with all my clients is like, we have to find that place of radical acceptance of we can love our current body and want to lose weight. And like, that's okay. And that actually is the most optimal way to change because you're not resisting. You're not forcing, like no one's going to die if you don't change your body, but it's like a goal, you know, it's like, you want to make some more money. Cool. Great. Like, it's like, you want to learn a skill. Cool. Let's learn it. Um, and it's, it becomes just like matter of fact, like, yep, I'm just doing this thing and, and it doesn't define your worth and it doesn't mean you're more lovable or less lovable. It's like, it's just this thing that you want to do. And, um, I love, I love the, the reframe that you said of, it's like, I just, I'm ready to be myself again and be seen. Um, I'm very much right there with you right now in this current moment. I think like after COVID, uh, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, but after COVID, I think like a lot of stuff has come up for me. Um, and I've probably been in the um, lowest place I think I've been in in all of this healing work like a few months ago. And like a very, I don't know that it was dark, but just a very confused place. Like everything I knew to be true, like wasn't true. And so doing a lot of my own work and really seeing that 100%, like I was eating to keep myself safe and not seen because there were so many things in my world that was changing so fast. And it was like, that was the one thing that I was like, well, I can just stay super grounded. I can just fill the fuck up right here. And Mm -hmm. this feels comfortable because everything else outside of my body is so uncomfortable because like it's good it's like I can relate to that during COVID when COVID hit I like went right back to my binge eating pattern for about um, I would say a month almost yeah like my trauma was totally triggered yeah for sure and so you guys listening like if that was you like it's okay like we were talking about like you said like it is literally was just a coping mechanism and you need to feel better. And, and now that and it pops up, it's the most familiar thing. It's the thing that you're most comfortable with It's the easiest thing. And so in moments of collective trauma or individual trauma, um, you know, go with whatever the fuck you can <laughs> and then you pick yourself up and then you start to like do the next level of work, but like just whatever you need to do to get through it. It's like, okay, get through it. And then we can just recalibrate because we're human and this is going to be the constant process yeah. for the rest of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> So get used to it. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. This has been so amazing. I feel like I've learned so much um, just talking to you. And I, I love podcasts. I know. <laughs> I'm like, can we just do another one already? Like, well, you're going to be on mine. Right? I know. I'm I, think, so I think she excited. sent you my, my assistant an invite. I love talking with you too, because you have such a beautiful story and your perspective is just so, so amazing. And I just love connecting with you. Like in general, just anytime to hear what you have to say about things, because you're just so fucking smart. And I'm so glad you are stepping into this space of like the inner work and like bringing that into your business and bringing that into the work you do with your clients. Because the more we approach things holistically and we really see the root of the connectedness of all of our experiences, we can deeply transform versus just healing for now. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, it's harder, but it's worth it. It really really is. Yes. Oh, well, thank you so much, Gab. Um, I love you. And love I you. That everyone listening is going to be just totally touched by this. Um, and just share a little bit about what's going on in your worlds with my audience, where they can find you on social, um, in the interwebs, what you have for them, what's going on in the pipeline for you. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So, so much is happening. Um, so I've stepped away a little bit from the mental health coaching, but all of my resources and podcasts where I have like lots of tips and tools and tricks are all on my website. Um, so lots of free resources there. It's www.omtherapycoaching.com. Um, and so there's lots of stuff for you there if you're on your self-healing journey. Um, and then I live on Instagram with my community over there. Um, so I, you can find me at, at om underscore therapy underscore coaching um and so i hang out there a lot lots of inspiring info coming out um and then in terms of stuff coming up i am launching a full product suite around conscious business and entrepreneurship for healers and light workers so um, basically what i needed when i first started my business um, as a coach so if you're a coach or a therapist or a healer of some kind um, and you have a product or a service that you're trying to bring into fruition um, i basically Basically, take you from the idea all the way through your launch, setting up your business, and then scaling to seven figures. Um, so that is through a self-paced course, and then we have a three-month group coaching program to help you start getting your clients and start getting your income and revenue going. And then we have a higher-level mastermind that starts in January, um, and that's going to be for people looking to scale who already have like eight to ten k months and are looking to expand and grow and get passive revenue and start you know courses and retreats and hire people. Um, and all of that next level CEO stuff. So my goal is to just amplify and uplift any of you who are looking to create a sustainable business around helping the world with your gifts. So yeah, come find me. I love that. Yeah. And you guys, I'll post um, links to all of Gab's things in the show notes. You can go stalk her and find her. If you are not already following her, go right now. (laughs) I love you. Pause this podcast and just exit this app and go on Instagram and seriously follow Gabby. Um, her stuff is amazing. She's inspired me. She's helped me in my own healing journey. She's probably helped my clients as well, just passively by our conversations and like learning things from her. Um, like the I'm so glad. Yeah. Like it's so like nothing is original, right? It's like, we all are just sharing all the things and collectively healing. And so it's been, I am just so grateful to have you in my life. I cannot tell you enough. Um, you are someone like, you know, we go through seasons with people, but you are very much like you're in season right now for me. And, um, oh, yes, you're, I love that. <laughs> I will keep changing my seasonings to keep moving with you. <laughs> yes. 
we're gonna go spicy soon we're gonna go we're gonna go spicy we're gonna go like chilies we're gonna go sour we're gonna go sweet it's gonna be amazing margaritas what what (laughs) what i'm coming over (laughs) i love it well thank you so much for taking time to be on and sharing all of your gifts and knowledge and just just your light you're such an amazing human and um i'm excited to be on your podcast soon And you guys listening, please feel free to reach out to either of us about this episode. Let us know what's helped you the most. And yeah, Gab, we'll have to do another one of these. I have a feeling. Oh my God, yes. I foresee lots of conversations coming. (laughs) Yes, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I love you. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye. And that wraps up another episode of the Balance with Sam podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope this episode has really, really helped you. I know that as soon as I started cracking into exactly who I was, that is truly where I found alignment. The world opened up to me. I found ease and flow and way more peace in my life. And I shifted from the space of trying to lose weight to trying to heal my relationship with food and myself. And when you focus on healing as opposed to the symptom, that is where you set yourself free. It reduces anxiety and all of the crap things that happen with focusing on that symptom. And I was in there for so long. I was in that dieting cycle and you deserve to get out. And if this resonated with you, this episode helped you, please screenshot it and tag me, tag Gabby. We would love to absolutely hear from you. You deserve to be free of the dieting cycle and I am here to support you. I love you so much. I hope this episode helped and I will catch you on next week's episode. Thank you.